0: Took it's told And in the name Of flood control They made their plans And they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on A cypress top I listened close And I heard the ghost Of Osceola cry So blow, blow go
1: opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host Luke Fay. Florida State football was mauled by the Clemson Tigers 45-14 to 14 in Death Valley. We preview the FSU Wake Forest football game coming up this weekend. And finally, FSU basketball received a huge commit from five-star forward Scotty Barnes today, who is a part of the 2020 class next year. This is Tom Talk and of course I am joined by my good friend Gary Putnick, who went on a little bit of a trip with me over to Clemson this weekend, or last weekend, I should say.
2: You and you went on a trip with me considering I did all the driving yeah we had a
1: little, little bit of a taxi service going
2: yeah all six or four hours to Atlanta two to Clemson six hours back from Clemson
1: I appreciate your uh, sister for housing us in Atlanta of yes, course as well you, and we'll, we'll get in we'll get into a little bit more uh with uh, that trip and everything that happened but over to my right Lucas Vaitia, always getting the name right you know uh how, how has it been this past weekend for you as a, as a sports fan knowing the Yankees uh dropped one the other night
3: You know what? I'm not as mad as you know some people might. Some people think I probably should be at that loss since you know what we did what we couldn't do in 2017 and we took one on the road in Houston. So we've done what we needed to so far.
1: Okay. I mean, optimism here. Uh, Split the it's one to one, correct? You're right. Yankees, Astros, uh, and you know, winner. It it, it'll be a very interesting the way the uh, World Series or is gonna set up to be with the Dodgers out. um, It's it's all for grabs over in the NL. Uh, Jake Mossing. Our other panelists today, Jake. How have you been uh, this this past weekend? Florida State not doing too well uh, against Clemson.
4: Yeah, it wasn't wasn't too much of a great game to watch. Kind of what I expected. However, the Michigan Wolverines won this weekend. It was kind of a barn burner with Illinois. They they looked like they're going to come back, but a yeah. wins a win, I'll take it.
1: I, I would mention that that uh, with that, Michigan looked like they were in control. Went they up twenty eight to seven it. Just destroying uh, the Illini, and and it was on the road as well. Exactly. And uh, still the same type of problems for Michigan football, letting them claw back into that game. Really, Illinois beat themselves with a couple of fumbles. And uh, if you're a Michigan fan, once again, some questions with that football team. But there are also some questions with the Florida State football team. It was not as bad. Okay, it was pretty bad. It, it it was bad, uh, 45 to 14. Florida State was never really in it. They went down 28 to zero at half. Um, this time, not allowing 28 points in the second quarter. But there were some good things that you could take from it. The the main thing is Florida State is not as Dabo Sweeney was talking to Florida State, saying they're the most talented team that uh, he's played so far. Florida State cannot even put themselves on the same pedestal as Clemson when it comes to talent that performs. And it was not good. It was not good, but it was expected. And the one thing that you can take away from this, Gary, is that they fought through to the end.
2: They did, and it was, and that's one thing that Dabo even said after the game. He said that the he said the second team didn't play up to his expectations. So, if the second team wasn't playing up to the expectation, then it the, the means FSU's first team was playing and not giving up.
1: It but the, the it did get out of hand, and there are still some things that really grind your gears, some penalties. I, I, we'll, we'll go over that. But Gary, leading up to this, what was your expectation? We, we drive all the way there. What were you trying to get out of, out of going to this game?
2: I just wanted to see how they would perform against top tier talent. Because this is the, other than what we think the Florida Gators are top tier talent, this is the only other chance they have to see how they stack up with the, top, the big dogs right now in the country. So I just wanted to see if they would show a fight early on and obviously they really didn't show a fight early on and they couldn't stay in the game.
1: What What was your uh, overall reaction to the whole, uh, really really, the stadium and uh, Clemson as a whole because we both went to that game and uh, there there are quite a few things that I want to talk about um, that Clemson does that Florida State doesn't and um, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that uh, Clemson does it better, really.
2: It w- Saying does what better, like just football just, games in general?
1: Just in in general, it was a very um odd atmosphere over at Clemson.
2: It was the stadium itself was really cool. I'd never been yep. to that stadium before. Like I can understand why it's called Death Valley because just standing on the field at that place, it's tall. It you look up to the top of the stadium and it's daunting how like tall that stadium is, which is really cool. And like especially when you have the crowd on top of you, it could get extremely loud. The rock wasn't all also, and then the rock wasn't all stacked up to be.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It was a a, a pebble. It's a
2: pebble, yeah. It's nothing special.
1: But uh, my big thing was uh, we we had talked about it before the running um, onto the field after the game and the uh, the storming of the field after beating a Florida State team that wasn't as good as previous years. And I still seeing it in person, I was hoping it would change my mind, but it was exactly what I thought. The one thing that I thought was cool. Was um, you know some Florida State fans did storm the field and were able to take pictures with some of the Florida, Calen uh, Layburn, Cam makers and they were State, yeah they they were gracious enough to take some pictures, which was you know different. Um, you you get crushed and um, it, it takes a little bit of confidence in yourself to say you know what we got crushed here, but I'm going to be there for for the fans. Overall, the the town of Clemson, I did not know this. If if you uh, viewers probably don't know this, it was 20,000 20, people. Go To the school,
2: it's small, and you think, and like we said, we some of us thought it was a private university a private institution, yeah. It, it that was public, <laughs> it, it, it
1: turns out it is public. There were some very odd things. They said a prayer before the game, which I, I don't really
2: the, the order that they went was uh, God Bless America, prayer, Pledge of Allegiance, National Anthem. They no, said, they did the alma mater in between oh, okay, that, oh, okay. I forgot the alma mater, but like at first, when they did God Bless America, they said, I just heard because I was on the field, I had just heard. Please remove your hat. And then I just didn't hear anything else. So I assumed, okay, here comes the national
1: anthem. It was, the the whole setup was very Southern um, mm-hmm. and way different than a, a Florida State game. And I can see how people appreciate it. Uh, not necessarily my cup of tea, uh, but just looking at the, the whole aspect, the uh, media scrum was not the best. Uh, not being able to house. Interesting setup. <laughs> yeah, not being able to, to interview players in, um, in a building. Um, interviewing them outside in a hallway was kind of bad, not and the, the coach.
2: The it wasn't just the hallway; it was the tunnel, which they used for the trucks and a bunch of other equipment for staff. Like when we were waiting for Willie, there was the Clemson like staff was uh, mowing uh, the lawn. Kids. They were blowing yeah. the dead grass off the field with law with not with leaf blowers. They yeah, to, they went from the from goal line to goal line doing that. When we were trying, when Thomas and I were trying to record a video, yeah.
1: I'll I'll say this, Gary. Um, I'm glad I went. I'm also glad I go to Florida State. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And the one thing, and this is this is something that some of you guys might laugh at, but I did go out into Clemson um, and, and and experience the nightlife, and it was very interesting. They closed about 18 minutes before two o'clock, and I thought that was kind of weird. So I was kind of complaining to the uh, the attendant who who was escorting us out, and I said, "Man, you guys closed pretty early." And they said. Well, seven years ago, they closed at 12 o'clock midnight. And finally, they got a city ordinance to close at 2. I don't think, guys, l- looking at you guys, I don't think that it's a coincidence that, C- that Clemson got better after changing you know, their bars to close at 2 o'clock. Because if you're a recruit, if you're even a student, and they say that you can't go out at 12 o'clock, games are ending at that point. Um, very interesting. And really, I think that's why uh, they've gotten better.
2: So I know this is a fun. This is a fun fact from our host Russell. Didn't he say that there are more churches than bars down
1: their Main Street? Yeah, there are more Downtown. churches than bars on the on the Main Street. Was it was, it, it's just a whole small life um, atmosphere. And I, I'm gonna ask Lucas over here along with Jake. Would you, Would you guys go to a school that that has um the nightlife shutting down at twelve o'clock?
3: Um, you know, I'm just a really like outgoing person. I really like to go out and party. So. I, I'm being, I'm Luke's just being honest here. Like, I don't know. It's you know. Right. Tweet it. Lu- Lucas
1: wait. likes to party. I like to party. Jake.
4: I'm the opposite. I I like to stay in and be to myself and hang out with my roommates on the weekend. So I'd be fine doing but that. But
1: imagine if you're a recruit. If you're a big time right. recruit, it's uh you know you you work. You you got an eight o'clock game and ends at twelve. And you know you, you don't know how to celebrate a big win. Yeah. I don't know. We we might be going off on a tangent here, but that was just one of the one of the small things that I, I noticed that was different than Florida State. Um, their their football side, what they do for the players, the recruits is all great. Um, but they do. We had we were in an outdoor press box, which was interesting. I kind of liked it.
2: I enjoyed it. it. It was a nice day, so that also helps. Like if it was the middle of the summer, if it was the first couple games of the year, or in the winter, it, prob- it sucked, probably it would have
1: sucked. I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, very, very good time in Clemson being able to cover the Florida State football team. But let's let's get into what this football team actually did, Gary. Um, and it, it was not good. It was a the the spread was tw- was the highest spread in Florida State history, twenty-seven. They did not cover the spread, and it, it after the first quarter, uh, the game was pretty much in hand. How did this uh, quarterback system work with uh, Hornibrook and James Blackman?
2: The dual quarterback system didn't work. It just looked weird. It just felt weird because like some guy, one of the two would either try to gain momentum and then if they turned the ball over, if they just didn't do anything with it, the next Blackman or Hornibrook would come into a place. So it didn't let the court There was no rhythm. Yeah, it didn't let them find their rhythm. It didn't kind of let them understand and feel the presence of the game almost and like just how the pocket was developing around them. So it really
1: hurt them at the end of the day. Jake, what was your take on Hornybrook and Blackman splitting snaps?
4: Yeah, I completely agree with Gary. Uh, It just wasn't good timing. Taggart didn't know when to keep one guy in or take the other guy out. And along with that, I just go back to Nick Saban and with Tua and Jalen Hurts in the national championship against Georgia, I believe. And it seemed like he knew the exact moment when Tua needed to go in the game. He knew how to balance those two QBs, and Taggart is way far away from that.
1: Lucas, was it that Florida State was overmatched and that was the reason why two quarterbacks didn't work or were they just both poor?
3: Yeah, it was pretty much they were both. I think it's a combination of the two, but I'm going to go with it was just they were both poor. Uh, it you know made this whole debate about which quarterback should be starting. It just makes it that much more difficult now.
1: What do you think of the fight that Florida State put in? Not exactly giving up. Keyshawn Hilton said, keep fighting, keep fighting. When he da- went down with that uh, leg injury, he is now a wide receiver for Florida State. He is now out for the rest of the season. It seemed like there was a little bit of accountability by the football team this time, even though the score makes it, uh, it-, it was a-, a blowout.
3: You know, Yeah, they need, absolutely need to keep that attitude. Whether it's win or loss, there needs to always be accountability.
1: Jake, is it unfortunate that Marvin Wilson is one of those big leaders in the locker room, and you see him stepping up and everything, but knowing that he's probably headed to the NFL draft where Florida State can find that next leader because he's the guy who's stepped up um, for really the, the three years that he's been here.
4: Right, yeah. I mean, he's he's doing what he should do as a leader and being one of the top NFL prospects coming up this year. Um, He needs to be a leader for the team, and he needs to step up. And I'm glad he's still active and isn't just like, oh, I'm going to the NFL. This is over with. I shouldn't worry about Florida State anymore. I'm glad he's still involved. And as for our next leader, honestly, with the way the Florida State football program is right now, who knows who it's going to be.
1: Gary, looking across um, the game, Travis Etienne had had a a, a pretty good game. Trevor Lawrence only played three quarters, uh, not, not even really three quarters, how did those two pick apart Florida State's defense? They,
2: they just played their game. They didn't try and play at FSU's strengths or weaknesses, which is what great, great players do. They don't need to worry about what the other team is going to try and do to them. They just played their game. And I've been saying this for the past year or so. Travis Sentien deserves more respect, and I think he's going to start getting it. And obviously he's going to be overshadowed by the Jonathan Taylors of the world, but he's going to start to be noticed a lot more.
1: Florida State didn't get over 100 yards of offense until the third quarter carry. Is Clemson's defense that great?
2: I think so. I think I, we thought there was a drop, there could be a drop off in the D-line from what they had lost last year when we talked with Amy McKenna last week, but they showed that they're still here, and they're just, it's reloading, not just replacing.
1: Let's look at the, the two quarterbacks in depth. Um, Alex Hornibrook was 8 of 12 for 84 yards, one touchdown and one interception, just uh Taking a closer glance, one of those plays was a 64-yard touchdown on Tamer- to t- t- Marion Terry. Really nothing um, spectacular by Hornybrook. When he came into the game, that first drive, he looked good. He, he looked good and dynamic mm-hmm. for the first couple. And he throws one bad pass that becomes an interception. And if he throws that on target, it's a touchdown, Gary. is he have a little bit of an upper hand on Blackman in this situation?
2: I don't necessarily think
1: After so. this game.
2: I don't necessarily think so. That's just It was just a tough game because Clemson, I guess, is just that good. But like what I said to you when he first came in, and I said it to you and Thomas in the press box, I was like, the offense looks more dynamic when Alex Hornibrook is in. And I know that's just because of the different play calls they give to him because Blackens more of a standard pro-style quarterback, and Hornibrook has to kind of move around a bit more to get things done. So they give him more uh, sweeps and other misdirection kind of plays. Whereas Blackman's more of a draws and just normal slant routes and all that, so it did look different, and I think he still has. I think he's still in the conversation. He still got a chance here.
1: Well, looking over at uh, Blackman in his performance, he was nine of 23. It was not. It was not great, um, and loads of uh, time for improvement. Really, uh, do you think? Lucas that it had to do with a little bit of the injury that's been lingering these last two weeks
3: yeah I was just thinking about that you know that injury left him out the whole game he you know that had two weeks off might have just been he was shaking off that rust and hopefully if we see him in Wake for Wake Forest next week we see you know some improved performance there
1: Jake is Blackman still hurt or did he have a bad game
4: I think he had a bad game um, Clemson is tough we know their defense tough and, obviously, Brook struggled as well. Blackman wasn't the only one. So, going forward, I think it's about equal. Um, Taggart, the way he played the quarterbacks, I don't know who we're going to have starting the next game. But if Taggart can figure out the dual system QB, um, I think he can play them the right way. And Wake Forest right now doesn't know who, who's going to be our QB1, and I think that's a good thing.
1: For, for everyone, Luke, you just, or, uh, Jake, you just mentioned it. Should they go Should they go forward and name a starting quarterback, or should they try this two-quarterback system against a lesser opponent in Wake Forest?
4: I think that they should wait to name the quarterback, keep Wake Forest guessing. Like Gary said, Hornybrook and Blackman have two different styles, and to leave Wake Forest up in the air not knowing who's going to come out there on the first drive is a great thing to have
1: for Florida State.
2: Luke, are you calling Wake a lesser opponent? they five. Was it five and one? Am I am I wrong? A lesser
1: opponent than Clemson? Yeah. Oh,
2: well, a lesser opponent than Clemson. I thought you were saying a lesser opponent in, or a lesser team in terms of talent compared to Florida State. That's oh no, I, no no I, no I, no. That's where I thought you were
1: going. Yeah no that that was not at all. Uh, okay, <laughs> I
2: thought you were throwing jabs already at the Demon Deacons.
1: No no I, I was not. Uh, well let's let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the good with Florida State and Kalen Laburn. We've been beating, you know, we beat uh beating the drum on Kalen Labor and getting some more carries. Let's see if he can get some more carries. Get it, get some more carries. And finally, he ended up having the most carries. He had eight carries prior to the game. He had seventeen. So he had eight carries, sixty nine yards, and one touchdown. And it was his first touchdown in his Florida to state career, a forty yard run in garbage time, but it was a good run. You look back at it. Uh, he was playing for someone, wasn't he, Gary? He
2: was, and his grandma was there. Was she? Does she live in the area?
1: Yeah, she she does live in in the area. And who? Uh, what what Kalen had said was that um, he has a handicapped uncle that his grandma looks over, and so she had never really had an opportunity to watch him play football. And this was the first game that she got to attend of his college career, and went out and performed. Um, and that that was it. Was cool to see. He was a little bit emotional, but finally see. I wouldn't say the coaches saw his potential but that he finally he finally got the opportunity
2: yeah and he didn't let it go to waste he stepped up when he needed to he did look to have a bit more he did look to be running better in comparison to cam acres and obviously that's why they kept feeding him more
1: often acres with nine carries for 34 yards just did not have and and a fumble as well on the biggest run of the day it was about a 15 yarder and he just didn't, he didn't really, it almost looked like he really wasn't into the game.
2: Yeah, it did kind of look like he was, I don't want to say disinterested, but like kind of disconnected.
3: gonna fast question here. Now, can we say, uh, can you guys say that, you know, that's because maybe they were targeting uh, Acres more and they just not focusing on Leborn as much?
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I was going to get to. But yeah, it's, they really were preparing for Acres because Acres was the bell cow. He was getting all the work for the Seminoles. So that's and that's why Laburn was uh, possibly able to succeed because of it.
1: Jake is Calen Laburn going to step up and and possibly have a, a dynamic running back situation where you can run two quarterbacks and, and make the offense um less predictable.
4: It's definitely possible. Obviously Cam Makers is going to be out of here next year and uh hopefully Laburn can step up, uh, show who he is and hopefully getting his first touchdown of the season. In this game can give him some momentum going forward and he can take over as the starting running back for next season
1: well I I think that Labron could be could be the starting running back for Florida State next year but will he be the starting running back for Florida State yes next year I think that he's gone it wouldn't be the smartest decision for him knowing that uh, he's probably not going to graduate on time we will have to sit out a year um, but this Florida State staff hasn't really taken care of him, and it will be interesting to see when Cam Akers leaves and Marvin Wilson leaves, Florida State will be in a little bit of trouble, Gary.
2: Coming from the middle child perspective of my family, uh, Kalen Laburn is being treated like the middle child here. He's got talent, he's got potential. It's just they're not recognizing him right now, and not paying, not giving him enough love. Oh
1: boy. Well, jeez, <laughs> oh, Gary. Okay. <laughs> well, well, Gary, let's let's talk about the uh, the the Lawrence and Chase Bryce clapping that, that you saw yes. within the game.
2: Yes, from in the press box, you could hear Trevor Lawrence and Chase Bryce clapping. And I first couple times I heard it, I was I didn't know what was, what it was, but then I started to look and watch their hands more, and it carried all the way up the press box, all the way up was it close to thirty some odd rows, in Death Valley, so it it real they were loud. It's weird. I never seen that before.
1: Like, I, I. When I, were they clapping? When during like for during the season? whole. During, that's how they say. That's how they say hike. They clap in, instead of uh, instead of you know yelling at the ball. Like had you seen
2: Kyler Murray get uh, kind of in trouble with the NFL refs because he does the claps because that's what Oklahoma does a lot too. So right. A lot of co- uh, college teams they do the clap to kind of signal for a snap.
1: Hike. So it's a new it's a new week, but same problem, and that problem is the the. The the penalties that should not be there. And Amari Gainer uh, got flagged in the first quarter for unnecessary roughness. James Blackman, I, I believe it was in the the third quarter, had an unsportsmanlike penalty, which is something that you never would have thought seeing from James Blackman. The game was out of hand. Um, I think a, a one of the players when he was tackled out of bounds stood over him, and Blackman decided to push back and got that penalty. It's it's a uh, it's a little bit worrisome to to know that they got to his head.
3: Yeah, you know, it's just one of these situations where I'm sure he was just, I'm sure Blackman was just really frustrated with how the game was going, but still, you can't be making those, you know, selfish uh, penalties, and I, I'm i sure Coach Taggart, you know, let him know and made, you know, discipline him for that, like he was saying, going forward, more punishments for those unnecessary calls.
1: Jake is is Blackman a little bit in trouble when it comes to the the, the quarterback position with Hornibrook somewhat on his tails and um, making those uh, making those mistakes. I remember he came off of uh, the I believe it was Louisiana Mon- the Louisiana Monroe game, um, ULM, and he said we gotta fix these mistakes. And now he's a part of the problem.
4: Right. Yeah. After the ULM game, I could see how frustrated Blackman was, especially with penalties throughout the season. He's shown that he's a leader and. He gets more upset than anyone on the team about guys doing dumb stuff. So for him to get that unsportsmanlike penalty and show his emotion and frustration and not backing up what he's saying, that's tough.
2: I'm, I'm not going to get on Blackman way too much for that penalty. It's, it's kind of understandable. Heat Be, of the moment. Yeah, it's the heat of the moment. He's a competitive guy. It kind of, like it kind of stings when a guy starts trash talking you when they're whooping you left and right down the field. And it builds up, and he kind of just let it out, and that was it. So, I'm not gonna hold it over him too long. I think it's a non-issue for
1: him. Well, guys, we're gonna take a little bit of an early break. We will uh, come back with a Wake Forest preview, along with uh, some looks on uh, what what's happening with Florida State basketball. So we'll step aside. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. <laughs> Time for a seminal segment with Luke Hazen.
5: All right. Well, thanks a lot, Luke. And you know, even though there isn't a whole lot for fans to beat their chest about around the football program, I'll I'll be sure to catch you up on everything else. Great going on around FSU's premier athletic programs in this seminal segment. In men's tennis news, standout sophomores Bryn Narung and Richard Tonguana rose to the occasion Sunday afternoon, winning the Bedford Cup Invitational in the doubles category. The championship is the first of its kind for the pair, and it came rather easy for both of them as they broke out against Bogdan Pavel and Mikhail Sokolovsky of UCF to the tune of an 8-4 final in favor of the Owls. Up next for the men's tennis team is a trip down to Gainesville for the ITA Regional Championship starting October 24th. And in some Halloween women's soccer news, the Seminoles were up to a tough task over the weekend as they faced off against number one-ranked Virginia, and heartbreakingly dropped their first ACC match of the year in a double-overtime thriller, 1-0. If you were to look at the box score, you'd think FSU would have taken this game comfortably as they controlled the ball for 54% of the match and had the shot advantage 14-10 over Virginia. But Megan McCool of Virginia lived up to her last name in the second overtime period, scoring her ninth goal of the season and the only goal of the match. The loss drops the women's team to 11-3-0 on the year, and they will look to bounce back on Friday evening against in-state rival Miami. Well, that's about all I got for you here in the tank. This has been a seminal segment with yours truly, Luke Hazen. Now back to the less good-looking Luke back in the studio. <laughs>
1: that's tough. That's tough, Luke. Uh, uh, I always love a, a little bit of a back and forth between you. Um, you know I'm your boss, right? <laughs> Well, uh, I realize kind of halfway through we've had a, a little bit of some mic issues. Um, and so Gary will be sharing the mic with me um, and and sharing some thoughts on uh, this Wake Forest Florida State matchup uh, coming up in which Wake Forest is coming off a game where they dropped 59 points and still lost the game, Gary.
2: I don't know what to make of this. They, they played a... It's just a weird game that they played. Like Louisville, I didn't expect this from Louisville, honestly. Like they didn't seem to have this in them when Florida State played them,
1: and they stepped up and put up a huge number. And Wake Forest, if you look at it, they lost sixty-two to fifty-nine to Louisville, a team that Florida State has beaten, and it was it was at home for Wake Forest, and, and they couldn't come through. They were five and zero, ranked for the first time. I I don't I, I can't remember years. Yeah, was it the first time since two thousand and six or two
3: thousand eight? Wow.
1: Yeah. So it, it's been a long time that Wake Forest has been ranked and been, uh, been good. I think it was their first five and zero start since 2006. Uh, and and looking at it, they are a solid team. They run the type of offense that Florida State would want to run—a fast-paced offense, but not necessarily um, with the amount of talent that Florida State has, Lucas.
3: Uh. Yeah. I'm just gonna say about this game. I think it was. I think a lot of it had to do with maybe just complacency you know you had that 5-0 and start you think you have this unranked team coming in at home you think you're going to do great and you just kind of it gets out of control
1: really uh really uh wake forest they they were playing they were going up against a backup quarterback cunningham goes down for for wake forest and and then you have evan Connolly, a freshman step up and he stepped up big jake going 12 18 for 196 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran for a touchdown, um, which is something shocking that uh, you think that they would finally contain when it switches, and it did not. Louisville looked like the better team, and Wake Forest is now reeling headed into this Florida State matchup.
4: Right. I think from the from from the very start of this that Wake Forest is overhyped. Um, if you look at all their games this so far this season for ACC opponents against UNC. Boston College and Louisville they've only won by six at the most the other two games were again worth only three points and like you said Florida State beat Louisville I think we can beat Wake Forest.
1: Wake Forest if you look at the game against Louisville it it wasn't very good from many aspects the defense did not show up but they really had a tough uh, a tough time stopping the dual threat um running or quarterbacks with Cunningham and Conley um surprisingly Conley He's more known as a passer, and he tore up Louisville on a, on a long run at the the end of the game. Wake Forest though showed fight. Gary um, at the end of the game, they were down with uh, five minutes left uh, by over twenty points.
2: Yeah, we were watching this, or we were watching the LSU Florida game, and I, we kept kind of checking in on the score there. And I think I turned to Tyler, you in the house, and I was like, "This game's over. Wake lost. Congrats to Louisville." But, and then somebody gave us the update on the final score. I was like, are
1: you serious? Like, how'd they do that? It, it was an onside kick recovery, Gary. That's really how they did it. And at the very end of the game, they had another chance to get an onside kick recovery. Uh, I think there was a replay that kind of showed Wake Forest getting it, but then Louisville ripped it away, made it very confusing. But Wake Forest could have possibly come back and got the miracle win against Louisville. What, what I'm seeing with this Wake Forest team is they are very gettable. On the defensive side Florida State can spread the field if they go on the outside run some run some uh, plays to the outside instead of uh, the inside Wake Forest is gonna be in trouble
3: yeah you know looking at the on uh, the whole analysis of the game afterwards looking at the highlights really their zone coverage it really was non-existent in this uh, Louisville game and I think they Florida State can really exploit that
1: Jake if you if you watch Wake Forest on offense they were amazing and Jamie Newman came in, and he, he's really one of the better deep, deep ball passers in the ACC. He went down with a shoulder injury, came back, and then at the end of the game, Sam Hartman came in, uh, took uh, Wake Forest down the field. There's a little bit of, um, you know, it's, it's going to be up in the air whether uh, Newman will start or if we'll see Hartman start. But what do you think of the Wake Forest quarterbacks, how, how they've been doing on the offensive side of the ball? As we
4: see, as we saw in the Louisville game, they were pretty dominant, and I think in this upcoming game against Florida State, it's it's gonna once again rest on the Florida State defense. Can they prove themselves? Can they stop the Wake Forest QBs, whoever's in there?
1: Jamie Newman was twenty-four of forty-one for two hundred and fifty-one yards and three touchdowns. You look at Sam Hartman; and he he was better, nine of fifteen for one hundred seventy-two yards and two touchdowns. Coming in in relief, uh, Gary, does this? Does this kind of throw in the uh, the idea of a two-quarterback system for Wake Forest as well?
2: No, why would they do that? Unless unless Newman's not 100% healthy, um, or sorry, let me rephrase that. Sorry, Newman will be playing if he's healthy, and it will be just him.
1: But if he gets hurt, they'll bring him back. Tell us about these Wake Forest wide receivers. Sage Surratt has 12, reception, has 12 receptions for 196 yards and three touchdowns. Their number 2 wide receiver, Kendall Hinton, 13 receptions for 134 yards. He did not have any touchdowns. But Sage Surratt, he's leading the ACC in touchdowns, right, Gary? Yes. If you, The key for Florida State in this game is if they can shut down
2: Sage Surratt, they're most likely going to win because he has over, I think, was it over 1,700 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and he's just killing it. He is
1: obviously Newman's favorite target. Just looking at this Florida State uh, matchup, Going back, i I, I got to think that um, this is a must win for the Noles. Jake? Obviously, looking
4: at their schedule, again, is it is Florida State going to make a bowl game this year? And I think in order to do so, they have to beat Wake Forest. There's no doubt about it in my mind.
1: Lucas, uh, is, Ford, is, is Florida State, it, would Willie Taggart be in trouble if Florida State lost this game at Wake Forest to a team that is really on the same level as them?
3: I would say he's in trouble now. Uh, yeah, blowing it in Wake Forest too would just uh, make things even worse. You know, there's already plenty of people out there calling for his, you know, firing his replacement. So he definitely needs to step up and prove that he can lead this team to victory.
1: A little bit of a uh, a, a fix there, Gary, on on Sage Surratt and his stats.
2: Yeah, stat correction. I got Jamie Newman's passing yards. He has over seventeen. He has over seventeen hundred passing yards while Surratt has over 700 receiving yards. So error by me, E2. <laughs>
1: That's okay, Gary. We're, we're always uh, trying to do better uh, each week, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll mark you down. We'll uh, put you on the party foul list, but mm-hmm. it it's it's all good. Gary, what are your thoughts on Wake Forest as a team and, and where they can exploit Florida State?
2: Where they can exploit Florida State is just by getting, trying to get to the quarterback. Because if they can get to the quarterback, they're going to win this ball game. That's And that's something that they struggle to do. Well, it's something that they really struggle to do against Louisville. They really couldn't make Conley feel that pressure from what I saw. And when they did make him feel the pressure, Conley was able to escape right through the middle because the pocket collapsed just on the sides of him. So if they can continue to kind of just lock up those sides, if Honeybrook's playing, they'll be in a
1: good spot. If Blackman's playing, he'll just step up and make a throw. The problem with Wake Forest offensively that Florida State is going to have to get better at is there is a dual threat aspect with this Wake Forest team. And it's it's a weird read option that Wake Forest runs, Gary. And, and this read option involves Jamie Newman trying to hold on to the ball as long as he can uh, before handing it off to either Kay Carney or, or the various other Wake Forest running backs. And this type of read option is unique to only Wake Forest, and we know Florida State is not very good at reading that.
2: It's dangerous.
1: That's what it is. It's dangerous
2: for this Florida State team because they aren't used to seeing it, and Wake doesn't show it right at the beginning. They kind of wait to show it. They'll like delay it, and they'll show it closer to like the second quarter, third quarter, and later on. So if Florida State starts biting on a lot of the quick ones that they start doing, they're just going to start holding it and waiting for them to continue to bite.
1: One of the struggles for Florida State uh, defensively as well is just the run up the middle. Um, Jake, how is Wake Forest going to exploit Florida State with the run up the middle? And is there any way that that Florida State can stop it? Because Marvin Wilson is only one guy, and looking across that defensive line, they've uh, had some struggles. Jaden Woodby when, is out for the season. Josh Kando is out for the season. Guys are falling down left and right. Is, what, what can they do?
4: I don't know. It's going to be very tough for Florida State's defense to step up. There's going to be some no-name guys, a lot of a lot, who the Florida State fan base doesn't know about, that need to step up in order for Florida State's defense to to shut Wake Forest down. So we'll see what happens.
1: Lucas, what's your take on the uh, the Florida State team up to this point? Uh, coming ag- going against this Wake Forest team. These are two teams at separate parts of the schedule. Wake Forest is five and one now. Uh, you look at Florida State; they're three and three. What do, what would a win mean for both programs?
3: A win for Florida State definitely um, boosts their uh, perspective of what will be left of this season, what they can accomplish. And I think for Wake Forest, uh, a loss by that, you know, opposite, it'll just kind of show that this team still really isn't uh, able to compete uh, at top levels.
1: Guys. Should James Blackman start this game against Wake Forest um, and really go out and sling it, knowing that Wake Forest defense is bad?
3: I, I would honestly prefer to start Hornibrook. From what I've seen, the offense just seems to move better when he has control of the ball. He uh, is more calm. He knows how to get the offense going at a better pace from what I've seen.
1: Jake, would that ruin the confidence of, of Blackman or or, or what? It's tough.
4: I completely agree with you. Horny Brooks has been showing that he's the better quarterback throughout the past three games, and I think he deserves to be the starting QB for this game. If he starts doing bad, put Blackman in the game. But on the other side of that is that Horny Brook is going to be gone next year. Blackman's still here, and that's something that's very important to note.
2: I like Blackman in this one. I think Blackman's the right guy for this game just because of the way the Wake Forest secondary moves and the and the miscommunications that they have. We saw one play, Lucas and I were watching it, where uh, it wasn't even a complicated route by the two receivers. It just had the outside receiver cut in and run a in, like a inside post. And then the other, uh, guy on the inside run a just a go route to the end zone. And they really played a poor zone and they had a ton of miscommunication everywhere between three different safeties or corners. So if they really can just do that and not really make it that complicated, just give some misdirections to the secondary, they're going to be in a good spot and Blackman will just take advantage of it.
1: The way that Florida State should handle this game if they want to run the two quarterback system, and in my opinion, um, the best way to run a two quarterback system is give each, each quarterback a quarter. So give Hornibrook the first quarter and James Blackman the second quarter. Whatever guy performs to the best of their ability is going to start the second half. Um, I don't think that you can dilly-dally and give two two series to Blackman and then two series uh, over to Hornibrook and bounce it back and forth. Really, if you're going to be giving series to people, you should be giving series to Kalen Labern and series to Cam Akers. That's, that's where the improvement needs to be
3: alright but what if you know our starting quarterback whoever we choose to start what if they get going right away they get hot do you really want to take that out and you know kind of slow down or stop the offense like that
1: That that's a good question
4: that's tough to answer It it's definitely debatable um, but I completely agree with you Luke I think that you, you can't switch guys out. There, there needs to be some momentum gained by each quarterback.
2: Exactly. No more switching guys out. Stick to your guns. Make a decision and go with it and trust your guy. And if he, and either quarterback gets hurt, whoever starts,
1: then you can bring in the other guy.
3: Just be consistent with it. Yeah.
1: Do you think that, that Kalen Labern should get should get at least 10, 10 touches a game and, and take that load off of Cam Akers? Because Cam Akers was probably tired going into that Clemson game. I know he got to uh, really rest up during the bye week. But looking at it, he's just been—he's he, had over 115 carries. Been worked like a dog, really. Um, and and just for his health, he probably is going to be gone for the NFL. It, it would it would be smart to to work those those running backs in between more than you would work quarterbacks. Right, that's a smart smart
4: move here. Lebron should definitely get more touches. You should integrate him into the offense a little more. And at the end of the day, you know that Cam Akers can step up and be a leader. So you always have him in the background there. Uh, if you need him to come in,
1: well, Gary, Gary is just pointing out to me uh, some of the lines in the Louisville Clemson game, which is being played this weekend. Louisville is a twenty-four point dog. Florida State was a twenty-seven point dog, so uh, a little bit interesting how that is. And then uh, pointing over to the Florida State Wake Forest line, Florida State is a two-point dog, uh, and Hammer really the, State. The, the 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 over is at sixty-eight and a half. I um I really don't know who to go with on, on this matchup. And so guys, we're gonna do some predictions. Uh we'll start over with Jake. How's this game gonna go? And who will win the game?
4: I think it's gonna be a shootout offensively, and I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. Thirty four, thirty one, Florida State.
3: Lucas. Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic here. I'm going with Florida State on this one. I think the bounce back is coming. Um let me go thirty to twenty four FSU.
2: Give me the Knowles. They're gonna cover. Ah, oh, if well, if they win, they cover. But Seminoles thirty six, Wake thirty two.
1: No idea how you score thirty six <laughs> points, Gary. Zero, zero idea. Uh, I'm gonna toss it over and and be a little bit of a hater here. Uh, and and really, Wake Forest has looked like the better team. They have the home field advantage. Uh, I I believe it'll be a close one. But I'm gonna go with Wake Forest 42, Florida State 35, and Wake Forest scores a late TD uh, to shock the noise. This this game could go to overtime, guys. That's a very realistic possibility, especially with my 36-32 score prediction. <laughs>
2: but I'm gonna get one of my score one time this year. I guarantee you, I'm gonna hit a score
1: <laughs> Oh boy, well, well, guys, uh, let's let's just barely talk a little bit about this LSU uh, Florida game. What were your reactions with the LSU Florida game and, and how it went? And does does Florida have any chance at making the national championship if they win out?
3: Um, I have to say about LSU, that offense is the real deal. Joe Burrow, I hadn't you know been giving him enough credit before, but I really think the kid, he is fantastic. And as far as Florida making the national championship, I don't see that happening. I think that honestly their playoff hopes now are probably dashed.
2: If the Gators were in a different conference, I'd say they'd still have a chance, like if they were to just play LSU out of, out of conference game, but their their schedule what they got left is just daunting and even if they do make it to the SEC Championship game,
4: it's a lot. It's tough, but Guess what? Georgia just lost to a bad South Carolina team. I think they can take them out. I think if Florida wins their their division and takes out Alabama in the SEC championship, they're they're going.
2: Yeah, but do you think the Dogs are going to bounce back from this? No, you don't think the Dogs bounce? Nope. Wow, I it was. I see Kirby bouncing back. He's going to just lay into them this week in practice. I think it's going to be a completely different energy with the Dogs down there in Athens. But I think they bounce back.
1: Joe Burrow was amazing against Florida, or against Florida, and he has been amazing the entire season. Um, just checking his stats, I'm I'm pretty sure he his completion percentage is 78%, which is ungodly, in my opinion. He is the number one guy for Heisman, outplaying Tua, and people should watch out for him. LSU is my favorite to win the national championship.
4: Interesting. He he's definitely is the real deal, and he definitely has proved himself thus far the season.
2: Who do we all got as the number one team in the nation right now?
1: And Heisman pick. Wow.
4: That's Jake, who you got as number one? Right now, I'm sticking with Bama. They don't let me down. And for Heisman, I got Justin Fields.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Nick Saban always, Alabama. And listen, I'm going with Tua for the Heisman. He's been a stud this year.
2: I'm kind of on Luke's side here. I like what the Tigers are doing in Baton Rouge. I'm always a Coach O fan. I will be on his side through thick and thin, and I don't. And Burroughs has a good chance of winning the Heisman, but I still think Jonathan
1: Taylor is still, still very much so in the running. Well, Gary, everyone knows my pick: Joe Burrow, leader for Heisman. Um, LSU has been the best team so far this year. Um, they've proved it time and time again, and really the SEC is good, and they're going to continue to be good. Uh, one little tidbit: I will say that Georgia is going to lose three games this year where are Hot the other take. where are the i okay
2: so i'm assuming that means a florida loss Yeah. are you Where's, counting
4: alabama or are you saying auburn I'm uh, gonna
1: count alabama. okay you, uh, that's okay. fair all right i agree yeah. with you i i or or even a bowl or even a bowl loss that that's that's the possibility I as well that, yeah. well let's let's transition we got about 10 minutes left in the show we're going to transition a little bit over to some florida state basketball the real big news for florida state is getting the commitment from scotty barnes he's the second highest rated commitment For Florida State under Leonard Hamilton, um, just behind Jonathan Isaac, he's the number eight overall player in the entire class. Uh, It's it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how Florida State beat him out. It it says he's number eight, number nine, back and forth. He's a great player, Gary, and top 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 ten player. He picked Florida State over Oregon, Miami, and Kentucky. And the interesting thing is, the number three player in the country, Jalen Green. It's been um, talked about that Scotty Barnes wants to play with Jalen Green. Florida State could have a little bit of a powerhouse brewing for next year's recruiting class.
2: A lot of eyeball emojis on Twitter for this. It sounds like, but one thing that stuck out to me is that Coach Cal has just been getting out recruited for them, or he's been. There's been some guys that have just been snuck right from out from under him, like. This should be. This is one of those guys that you expect to go to Kentucky or Kansas or one of those big-time programs, and the fact that Ham could steal him away, it's pretty impressive to me.
1: Well, we're gonna we're gonna go to the caller lines, and uh, I've got a special guest for you guys coming your way. It is Austin Vizi, former star shooting guard of the LeVar Ball Boys, my intramural ah. basketball team, and former manager for the Florida State basketball team. Austin, how are you doing? Can you hear us?
0: Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, it's it it is uh, it is a great day to be a knoll, uh, seeing that Scotty Barnes is now on the squad.
0: Absolutely, I woke up and saw that in my DMs, and I was going crazy. It's such a big pickup for Leonard Hamilton and his staff.
1: What What is Scotty Barnes like as a player? It's mentioned that he's a forward, but you you see him more as the guard position taking over for Trent Forrest.
0: Correct. He's going to be a point guard. He wants to play point guard at six eight. You're, you don't see that, but. Florida State was recruiting him to play point guard, and he's going to do it here. Is that he's going to ma- step in next year and start right away?
1: Is that the main reason why you think that Florida State got him?
0: Mainly, yeah. But uh, Coach Hamilton's had a relationship with him since probably middle school, knowing how he recruits.
1: Oh boy. Well, looking at looking at the rest of the class. Well, what what is what is Scotty Barnes as a player? Tell me tell me what he brings to the to the team, and um, it sounds like he is a lock for for signing early, and um, Noles fans shouldn't really worry about him decommitting, correct?
0: Correct, and usually with top 10 players, you expect them to be elite scorers, elite, elite passers. He's mainly an elite defender. You don't see that with top 10 guys, but he's an amazing defender, but he's also a great playmaker. He's a great do-it-all guy, which Coach Hamilton's been one of his guys to do since they changed the rules. after we won the ACC Championship, and yeah, I don't see him decommitting at all.
1: How does he compare to what Florida State has right now in Trent Forrest? I know that in the recruiting picture he was, uh, he, he was wearing um, Trent Forrest's uh, standard number three number.
0: He's, Trent's a very unique player at his size. But then again, so is Scotty Barnes. Barnes is going to be a better scorer, whereas Forrest is more the playmaker, more setting everybody up. Barnes is going to be much more aggressive. I think offensively and defensively, you're not going to lose
1: anything. Florida State is very wide team. That's what they've uh, really predicated themselves on the last five or so years. Uh, Scotty Barnes is six foot eight. Uh, how how, will, how will his length really play to the style that Leonard Hamilton loves to loves to play defensively and um, with those long scores as well, like Jonathan Isaac.
0: Oh, it's going to be it's going to be perfect. I mean, trying to just think defensively next year starting lineup you're looking at. Scotty Barnes, MJ Walker, Devin Vassell, Raquan Gray, and Balsa. There's so much length in that starting lineup. It's going to be impossible to score on them.
1: Another big recruit that Florida State is pursuing is Jalen Green, the number three overall player um, in the 2020 class. He he put a little bit of a heart emoji under the commitment um, from Scotty Barnes. Is there is there um, some some noise in the Florida State uh, locker room that? Ham could get two top 10 guys?
0: It's certainly possible. Jalen and Scotty visited last year when I was with the team, so I was around them on their visit. They both seem to enjoy it at least a little bit. Um, but I'm going to temper the expectations a little bit. I don't think Jalen Green will come to Florida State. I think he's still more of an Oregon lane, but there's still plenty of time until really he commits on Christmas Day.
1: Well, let's talk about the Florida State basketball team as a whole. Uh, they're shaping up to be one of, one of those squads that has a lot of depth. Trent, Trent Forrest will be going into his senior year. Um, you, you have MJ Walker coming back, former five, five-star recruit. Do, where, where, is the, where is the opportunity for Florida State to get better? MJ Walker hasn't necessarily lived up to his expectation. Um, how how can Florida State be a different team than they were last year and, and get past the Sweet 16? This year
0: I think they're going to be more consistently offensively. I know you're losing guys like Kevin Gelly, Terrence Mann, Phil Cofer. Those guys are so important to us in the past. But the guys we brought in, Patrick Williams, Nate Jack, these kind of guys, they can shoot the ball lights out. Tell us you a... put them in instead of Terrence Mann, who's, yeah, he had a good shooting season, but now you have 40% shooters consistently. It opens the floor up so much for this team.
1: Tell us a little bit about Patrick Williams for the, the people who, who don't know him.
0: Patrick Williams is awesome. He's Five-star recruit out of Charlotte, North Carolina. can score at any level, three, layup, mid, mid-range, whatever you need him to do. He's going to score. Crazy length. He's going to be a great defender. He's going to get in passing lanes, block shots. He's, if Coach Hamilton can mold a player,
1: it's Patrick Williams. Malik Osborne transferred from Rice last year. He had to sit out um, for eligibility. Uh, and he, he, It looks like he's going to be in line for a very prominent role on this team. What does he bring to Florida State after uh, really playing the scout team uh, all of last year?
0: I'm a huge fan of Malik. I think you know that. He's such a bouncy forward, and I think at his size, he has experience playing center at Rice. I think you might see a little bit of that this year. I know Coach Hamilton doesn't like running small ball, but he's a unique player who's athletic and long enough to even put him at the 5, and he's going to do just fine.
1: Do you think do you think we could have used him on the uh, IM basketball team last year since he wasn't playing? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. We need some rebounding.
4: Hey, Jake here. How far do you <laughs> think Florida State's gonna go this year?
0: It's tough, you know. Um the ACC is not as good as it's been in years past. It's the most wide open it's been since I don't know when. Um and around college basketball there's a lot of good to great teams that can make some noise. I think another sweet sixteen runs, not not that far out of the realm of possibilities. Um, even Coach Hamilton's nice with sort a of Final Four run at ACC Media Day, I don't think that's that unlikely either.
3: All right, Lucas here. Uh, kind of going off of that question, when um, Scotty Barnes does get here, when he uh, gets to the team, do you think that uh, he'll be enough to push Florida State you know, over the edge to make them really be able to compete in the ACC, be one of the top teams? I know they already are, but do you think he can push them like, over the edge?
0: Absolutely, and it depends on who comes with them. If Jalen Green comes or Hunter Dickinson comes, you're talking about the top two ACC teams there already. We've already got uh, Juco Wien, Sardar Calhoun coming in with them. I think he's going to step in right away and be great. If Patrick Williams comes back after this year, that's even better.
1: Looking at where Florida State stands um, really in the ACC preseason um, predictions, uh, they weren't exactly super kind to Florida State, and Florida State was picked to finish fifth in the ACC preseason poll by the media. Do you think that that is a, a fair fair choice?
0: It's pretty reasonable. i picked them fourth behind Virginia, Duke, and Louisville. I'm not that high on North Carolina as everyone else is, but they're going to be fighting for that ACC double bye all season, and they got a pretty favorable schedule from the ACC in terms of when they play their top opponents.
1: What is what is the the game that you can mark down on the calendar for, for Noles fans to watch that will uh, really mark what their season will be?
0: Ooh, I, I want to start right off the bat. Those first two games against Pittsburgh and Florida, both on the road, both open this season. We've had troubles with Pittsburgh in the past, especially on the road our last two games. We've lost by double digits up there. And then at Florida, that's your in-state rival. They brought in a top-five recruiting class, a final four favorite you're going to find out very quickly how good the Florida State team is.
1: Well, Austin, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. That is Austin Vizi of No Game Day, former uh, manager for the Florida State basketball team and former star of LeVar Ball Boys. Austin, great to have you. Appreciate you having me, Luke. Thanks, Austin. And that is about all we have for Tomahawk Talk tonight. It was a real action-packed uh, episode. Unfortunately, the mic wasn't working very well for Gary at the beginning. Um, but I, I I like where this Florida State basketball team is headed, guys. Um, and really, uh, it'll be it'll be a very interesting thing to see how much better they can be next uh, this next season um, after going to a Sweet 16 for two years in a row, Elite Eight two years ago. Uh, they're doing much better than Florida State football. And next week we're gonna have a lot to talk about. I think this is the biggest matchup of the year for Wake Forest, guys. What do you think?
3: Yeah, this is definitely a do-or-die game for the
1: rest of their season.
4: Taggart needs this win, and I want to talk to you, Luke. Don't you want to change your major again and s- stay for a couple more years see how Florida State basketball does? <laughs>
1: super, yeah, super take, get a uh, get a get another another six-year senior in there. I don't I don't, I don't know if I can pull out a a third senior year, but I'll I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, Gary, I appreciate you coming along with us along with jake mossing lucas vatia of course cassidy on twitter austin reynolds helping out um, great show today and of as uh always this is wvfs tallahassee the voice of florida state new release is up next